actions antidotes. Your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. I am confident. I am competent. I am smart. I am good enough. I will make things happen. How many of you out there have said things like this to yourself in the mirror? How many of you wake up every day or have some sort of regular ritual around saying things like that? And what kind of results have you gotten from these affirmative messages that you said to yourself? Now, chances are those results are kind of mixed. Maybe some of you started to notice a difference as you kind of repeated these mantras to yourself, but maybe some of you did not get the results that you desired. Maybe some of you, for some reason, one reason or another, tried it for a while and still kept falling back into some of the same patterns and some of the same beliefs. My guest today, Austin Tanny of Bringing Balance Back, has a different approach to some of these instances in which this set of affirmations may not have particularly worked. Austin, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. I have a slight headache this morning, but it's starting to go away. <laughs> well, not bad. Now, Austin, have you ever initially before starting a business tried this set of affirmations, kind of those repeated mantras, whether they be in the mirror or meditation or anything like that? Yeah, I've, I've tried some affirmation stuff, but it, it didn't really help me too much. But uh, yeah, I've, I've given it a try. And what kind of experience did you have with these affirmations? Kind of just scratching the surface. You're, you're kind of using your conscious mind and you're kind of hoping that you impregnate the subconscious mind with that affirmation and it becomes your belief. Mm-hmm. But with what I've learned and what I've seen through experience, um, a lot of times when we're trying to drop an affirmation in, that usually means we're carrying the opposite belief in our subconscious mind. If you're trying to say, you know, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, probably means you're carrying the belief of unworthiness in your subconscious mind, right? That's why you're trying to drop that affirmation in. And that's why that worthiness came up as an affirmation for yourself, right? So I'll explain it like this. So if you're trying to drop in, I am worthy into your subconscious mind, which is actually your body, your body, your subconscious mind. So if you're trying to drop in, I'm worthy in your in your subconscious mind, but you have a big bubble of unworthiness stuck in your body, it's just going to bounce right off it. And you're going to still feel unworthy until you remove that feeling of unworthiness out of your nervous system. And then you, you can drop in, you know, I'm worthy. So let's talk a bit about this feeling of, of unworthiness and talk about it a little bit from the standpoint of a, of a personal journey. A person you encounter that has this feeling of unworthiness in their subconscious mind, where does that generally originate from? Because I don't think any children are really born thinking themselves are unworthy. And I don't see a lot of four-year-olds, say, playing out there thinking, I'm not worthy of playing this game or having these loving parents, et cetera. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, when we're born, you're right. We got no beliefs about ourselves or the world, right? You're the infinite being, as they say. And that's what we're trying to get back to. As we've realized, you know, that we've picked up all these thoughts and feelings about ourselves in the world, right? So we have experiences, right, from, you know, mostly from a lot from our parents when we're young, teachers, friends, you know, whatever, adult, other adults, whatever. And then it turns into, I am this, I am that, I'm good, I am bad, I'm unworthy, blah, blah, blah. But, of course, the negative stuff is definitely not you. Kind of like viruses that you pick up. And positive stuff, you know, it's pretty good. It's kind of like, you know, applications like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, where you can, you know, use it here and there. So the negative stuff is definitely not you. The positive stuff, it's nice to have, but it's actually not you either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, get deeper into it. So the way these beliefs are formed in your subconscious mind is thoughts concentrated upon or feelings concentrated upon turn into concepts or beliefs in the subconscious mind. Let's say you're on a school, you're in a third grade, you're in PE, mm-hmm. 
and everyone is a little bit faster than you. Maybe you're maybe more towards the end of people when they're doing races or yeah. you know different kind of physical activities. And in your mind, you pick up an idea of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just not as fast as everybody, or I'm just not there, or I'm just, I'm inadequate a little bit, right? That idea that you decided to pull down and you think about for a while will then get charged up into your nervous system, hmm. right? And that'll stay in your body. So, you know, growing up, if you had a feeling for long enough, you're going to think it's a part of you, but it's actually not. It's actually not a part of you. It's just an idea that we charged up and now we believe it. And do these beliefs happen typically based on one catastrophic event or is it more common, as you said, a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, a little bit the next day, a repeated scenario where day after day you get rejected for something, you get, say, last to be picked for the basketball teams, et cetera. And then over time it starts to become, I'm not good, people don't like me, et cetera. Right. That's a great question, too. So it could happen either way. It could happen either way. It could happen, you know, over a period of time. Let's say a yep. teacher just kind of made his, made his students kind of picked on you a little bit, you know, and over time, you're going to be like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm the bad kid, right? You're going to be yep. that kind of bad kid. Or it could be like a single event, right? It could be a more stressful or more traumatic event that charges your nervous system immediately. And you have that experience which created that belief in you. I'll give you a good example of how this works on a more traumatic way. So mm -hmm. I had a client that had massive anxiety on planes and elevators. Like every time, like on the plane, you know, when you land, everyone stands up to get their bags and whatnot. And that's when he would get his this crazy anxiety. He's like, what, where's this coming from? So we found out when he was about three or four, he was on a boat with his dad. Okay. And this boat caught fire. And what did everybody do? They all stood up and they were trying to get off this boat. Right. Yeah. So that one incident created this whole thing in his head where if a lot of people stand up, it triggers that feeling within him, right? So that's one way that one experience can create a whole domino effect in your whole life. So he had mapped it to his subconscious, the idea that when I see a whole bunch of people standing up, that means fire. And of course, your subconscious mind is trying to create shortcuts so you don't have to cognitively think through every single thing that ever happened. And so right. now every time he sees, he thinks fire, even though it's just a routine, I'm getting off an airplane or getting off a train or something. Right, right. It's actually just a safety mechanism, right, for him that his body created. It's like, this was an emergency. This was a big thing. When people stand up, you got to, you know, you got to move. So sometime in your life, you either have a catastrophic event or a series of events that creates a, a belief system in your subconscious mind, Right. Now, do these belief systems in your subconscious mind, do they vary in, in the amount of strength? And is that why we see such variable results in these affirmations? Because if it's really strong, it's more likely to bounce off. And if it's relatively weaker, maybe it might have some effect. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, some things are more deeply ingrained in certain people and some things aren't. You know, and the belief can be, you know, just a, a small weak belief or it can be a more powerful ingrained belief and the thing about the more powerful ingrained beliefs is sometimes people don't feel safe to let that part of them go so they need to feel that safety to let that part of them go so they can change into this new feeling i've gone to a seminar and the guy doing the seminar he stood up in front of the, the class and he brought up someone and he said okay i'm gonna send over a feeling to you let me know how it feels like let me know how it feels to you right yeah. So he, he said, okay, give me a second. And then he did it. 
And the person on stage is like, oh, you know, just kind of basking. Is like, yeah, this is great. You know, I, um, I, I feel like I'm going to pick up a baby and hold it. And he's like, no, 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 don't pick up the baby. Put the baby down, right? And then he did, okay, I'm going to do a different one. And then he stood next to her and he said, wait, give me a second. And then he got into that feeling and seen how she felt. And she was like, this kind of makes me feel uncomfortable, a little, little disgusted. I don't really like this, you know, like, I don't like this feeling. So here's the interesting thing. So the first feeling he sent her was actually hate. It was like, you're a piece of garbage. I don't like you, right? But the way her brain was wired was the way she grew up um, was in such a harsh environment. She thought that was good. That's why she was basking in it. She was like, yeah, I like this. You know, and she wanted to pick up a baby. So she was wired backwards, right? Oh, and wow. then the second one, guess what it was, right? It was love. He was, he was sending mm-hmm. her love. And she didn't like that. It felt weird, icky, right? Yeah. Because she wasn't used to it. So, of course, you know, he, he cleared that up for her and then, you know, wired things correctly. But it just shows, you know, you know, how, how you know, our subconscious feelings affect our whole life, you know, and, and it's very powerful. And in most cases, people don't even realize that it's a subconscious and that it's impacting their lives. Yep. Yep. Your subconscious beliefs will filter your five outer senses. So before you even see, smell, taste, touch here. It's being filtered by your subconscious beliefs. So if you feel like you're just not good enough, you're going to look for things that make you feel that. Yeah. How we work, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that, you see, I told you I'm not good enough. Oh, see that, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I told you. But you might even not even be seeing things clearly. You know, that's yeah. why, you know, our eyes can deceive us, right? And that that's a common concept that I like to maybe spell off of the audience a little bit, everybody listening, because there's this kind of connection between preconceived thoughts and then the actual results of something. Explain a little bit about how that, you know, some people have heard the phrase thought creates form, how that whole thing works. The way I see subconscious beliefs is, let's say if you have really poor beliefs about the world and, and yourself. It's yeah. kind of like wearing red goggles everywhere. Red goggles and earmuffs, right? Yep. That are, that are filtering things that you hear, filtering things that you see, and making you see and feel the world in a certain light, in that red light. And once you start shifting those beliefs in your subconscious mind, it's maybe like wearing like yellow goggles now. Now it's like, oh, today's not so bad. You know, I can go out. I can, I can do some things out there. I can, I'm a little feeling a little bit more confident. I can move, maybe learn something new, pick up a new skill, you know, like, and all yeah. these ideas and creativity come out, right? So it's kind of like that victim mindset, right? Versus a creative mindset. Well, it's interesting. And it reminds me of what's happening uh, right now here where I live in Denver, Colorado, because we're having a colder week. And for those who don't know, Colorado, we have very variable winters. You can have a week that's really nice out where you can still go out and ride your bike and walk around and stuff. And then another week where it's colder. And this happens to be a colder one. And I think there's a previous version of myself where I would see this as, oh my God, this week's going to be so dull. It's going to be terrible. I'm not going to do anything but drink the whole time and stuff like that. And now I'll, you know, openly say this right before doing this podcast, I went downstairs and did a a Peloton ride. Now I'm an avid cyclist and I would always prefer to do outdoor rides if I can, but I'm now looking at a week like this and saying, okay, not what I really want, but maybe this is opportunity to do the Peloton instead of an outdoor ride. And that'll give me a different type of workout because the outdoor ride, you know, your hill climbs tend to be slow, steady, and long. And the Peloton gives you a chance to do some more kind of shorter term interval things, which train your muscles in a different way. That's awesome. Love it. 
I love it. Yep. It's really interesting. If you want to see, you know, certain the way that certain people perceive things, right, with their belief systems is the word exercise. Yeah. Right. Some people are like, exercise, no, you know, they're just like disgusted. They want to run away. They don't want to do it. And other people are like, exercise, yeah, let's go. You know, I want to I get that exercise in so I can feel great, you know, so I can feel great today, tomorrow, and the next day, and whatnot. So, you know, even words, just words have power, right, of how you perceive things and how your subconscious mind has been shifted into the way you see that word. You know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing. And so when people have these experiences that ingrain ideas into your subconscious mind, these experiences have a different magnitude or a different impact depending on what age you're at is there a certain age like in your youth where it's going to be more impactful or are say full-grown adults still ingraining things into the subconscious mind based on their experiences and based on what they're seeing that's a great question so the way i see it for really young kids you know one through seven is basically when our subconscious mind is wide open. That's when we get most of our ideas about ourselves and the world during that time, usually from our parents or you know whoever whoever's around us at that time. For that age group, that's when they need an adult who lets them feel everything, feel all their feelings and feel safe about it. Yep. So that's really important time for that. As you age a little bit more, I would say like maybe close to teenager, teenage years, that's a good time to learn techniques about how to feel and process things. And then as an adult, that's a good time to clear stuff that isn't yours and learn about the subconscious mind and really kind of be able to shift and create who you want to be, like your being, who do you want to be right in this world and finding your purpose and such. Subconscious work is great for anybody. You know, it's, it's really good to understand how you're feeling in your body and getting connected to your body. A lot of people, you know, as adults now are very disconnected or dissociated from their body because of all those bad feelings they had growing up and what happens there is they don't process their feelings completely and then that can turn into mental and physical issues in the future and that's a lot of the mental and physical issues that adults have pain you know discomfort in the body that's usually 95 percent of the time it's from some kind of mental or emotional stress that they've picked up some kind of belief about themselves or the world that has been triggered over and over and over again in the same area which have locked that area up and so a lot of adults have this subconscious triggering, but they're not even aware of it. How big of an issue is the multitude of ways in which we distract ourselves, whether it be booze, constantly staying busy, the you know now more and more prevalent social media and technology addiction. How much does that get in the way of people being able to even realize and then do some work on changing those un- underlying beliefs? Right. That's a great question, too. That is a huge issue right now, right? Everybody's flipping through TikTok, flipping through Instagram, flipping through Facebook. And, you know, social media can be good, but at the same time, it can be very detrimental for human beings because we're, we're not connecting to anything. We're connecting to this thing on our phone and flipping our thumb. And a lot of times what happens when you're seeing everyone doing the best of their life is yep. you get into this state of lack. You're like, I wish, oh, I wish I was doing that. I wish I was doing that. I wish I was doing that. You don't feel that great because you're not in a state of gratitude anymore, right? So a lot of times, a lot, a lot of my clients, I got to shift that part of them back to gratitude, you know, because their brain will filter what you feed it. Keep feeding your brain gratitude. It's going to start looking for gratitude. If you keep feeding mm-hmm. your brain Facebook or Instagram, it's going to start looking for things that make you feel small, mm-hmm. right? Or that feeling of lack. People are actually 
doing these things or drinking or they're just trying to get away from that feeling. They don't want to feel that feeling. But in, in reality, it only your emotions can only last about 90 seconds max. Nice. And it's usually a lot less. Oh, wow. So just, just breathe into it, feel it, experience it, let it pass. And once it passes, you're going to be back to your, your baseline, right? But a lot of us have tucked so much stuff into our subconscious, you know, all this pain, whatever, this and that. When it starts coming out, it feels can, can can feel overwhelming. So it's good to have someone to kind of guide you through feeling it all out and you know getting it all out. So humans naturally are very confident, very peaceful, very joyful, and very loving at our core. So if you're not feeling that, you have stuff that you need to feel and, and let go from either your past or you know belief that you picked up or whatever it is. And so when it comes to social media or anything else on the internet. You talk about these colored glasses, right? Red colored glasses, yellow colored glasses as a proxy for, you know, whatever you're doing to filter. Uh, in general, which comes first? Is it someone with a subconscious belief that then all of a sudden I have the victim subconscious belief, so now I'm on Twitter and Reddit finding these things that are confirming that? Or is it the Twitter, the Reddit, the TikTok, Facebook, everything else feeding your subconscious and creating those? Right. It could be either way. Be the way. If someone's not very conscious about how they feel um, while they're flipping through Facebook, they can switch that part of their brain, right? So there's a part of our brain that's called the reticulate activating system. It's basically what I just said. So whatever you feed your brain, it'll filter for that, right? Mm-hmm. So if you wake up in the morning, you're like, "Oh, today's going to be a wonderful day. Something amazing is going to happen," right? You're starting your day off feeding your brain like this this amazing juice, like, "Yes, yeah, something's amazing going to happen," right? Yeah. Or if if you wake up, you're like, "Man." raining outside today's gonna suck right that's that's what you're feeding your brain it's gonna filter for suck right so it's all about that filter too you got to see how you're perceiving the world how you're perceiving people even right because we even create our own belief system about people especially people that are really close to us in our own home you might not even be seeing that person for who they they really are anymore because you've, you've created this filter right so you're looking through that lens we got to check in with ourselves, you know, give ourselves that time and sit with ourselves and be like, what, what kind of goggles am I wearing on myself and the world? How am I, how's my self image? How is my image of the world? You know, how do I feel about it? Right. And you'll, you'll notice in, in the, the way you speak, like the words you choose on your, your subconscious beliefs, or you probably even felt it. You probably even know that biggest subconscious negative belief that you've been carrying, like imposter syndrome, right? It's super, super common. That's usually a feeling of inadequacy, right? Even though this person is a millionaire now, that feeling of inadequacy is like, why why am I here? You know, I don't don't feel like I'm here because that's that subconscious belief that is there that they picked up in third grade. So now they have this this mixed feeling of, I am a millionaire, but I don't feel adequate. So I'm going to keep going until I'm a billionaire. It's never filled. The void is never filled. So if we go back to the personal journey, the story of someone at some point in their life, usually age one to seven, you said they develop some sort of subconscious belief based on the surroundings. What generally happens during adulthood that makes this person become aware of this? What, what makes someone actually start thinking about it as opposed to just going about their lives and continuing to live by the script, as I often say? It could be a couple of things, you know, usually like health problems is one, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, man, I. I've tried everything. I have this health problem. You know, my arm just hurts. I don't even know where it's from. Then, you know, they try different things and, and they meet some like hypnotist that clears something and their arms just suddenly better. And they're like, what the heck? Right. And then they're like, oh, yeah. I want to learn more about this. Or it could be like a mental thing. You know, it's like, man, I just, 
I just don't feel like even leaving the house anymore. You know, maybe I should go see a psychologist or psychiatrist, you know, and, you know, they, they've talked to their friends and they're like, I've seen one for three years and I haven't noticed that much change, you know, and maybe you should look around what else is out there. Right. So I think there needs to be more awareness about this too. You know, yeah. mental health and physical health, they're connected. There's no separation between mind and body. Right. So when we have these charged up ideas in our body, it's actually sending it upwards to our mind. So all these charges are coming upwards, those negative feelings and negative thoughts are coming upwards. So once you clear that pattern out of your body, then you feel more clear. It's like, oh, I can't believe I believe that about myself, you know? And I have that all the time. People even laugh. I'm like, all right, say I'm just not good enough now. They're like, I, I can't even say it. It sounds so ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, there you go. See, it doesn't, it's not a part of you. Never was. We <laughs> <laughs> actually do know what it's like to go from hearing something and getting triggered to hearing that exact same thing and just laughing at the idea of it because it's so preposterous. And so when people come to that realization, you know, whether it comes from your mind, your body, spirit for some people, that's where you come in. Yeah. You know, a lot of people come to me actually when they're ready. I find a lot of people who have like, I've tried everything, you know, I've tried psychology, psychiatry, but this depression, you know, I don't want to go on pills. Can you help me? I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course. Let's go. What, what I try to tell people is there's a few people that do this work and you just got to find someone that you're comfortable with, you know, so yeah. find somebody you're comfortable with. It doesn't need to be me, you know, just, just search, you know, search for subconscious clearing, somatic work, anything with the body where breathing and you're connecting to the body. So breath work, you know, is, is great. Breath work is breath work. But once you start using breath work and you connect to the body, then it becomes subconscious work and you're clearing patterns out of your subconscious. My suggestion is Find someone you're really comfortable with. It doesn't even need to be me. But if you want to work with me, feel free to contact me, bringingbalanceback.com. Again, bringingbalanceback.com. I think there's a phone number, an email. Just shoot me a text or an email and be like, hey, I'm interested in learning a little bit more. We can talk on the phone and you know, we can get you started on clearing some of these issues. So, you know, what's generally the process? Like, is it like a six-month affair or a one-year affair? How long or how much work does it take for someone to clear something out of their subconscious? Yeah. So this is an interesting thing. It doesn't take long at all. It doesn't take long mm -hmm. at all. I've seen someone go from depressed to normal in one session. I mean, oh, wow. I'm not saying everybody, but yeah. you can get a lot of work done in one hour. You can get a lot of work done. You're, you're, if you're caring for that whole hour, even my new clients, you know, uh, when they work with me, I tell them for that first session, make sure your next day is off or you're off or it's a really light day. Because I've had a lot of people tell me, man, Austin, I was so wiped out the next day. You know, like I just drank water, ate and slept. I was like, perfect. Your body's doing exactly what it needs to. Because when you're clearing stuff out of your nervous system that has been charging your body for so long, and then your body can finally relax and heal, you know, sometimes it takes a little while to get back to your normal because you've been so like rigid and tense. Once you realize and once you felt all that stuff, you know, from years and years of stuff coming out, it kind of it can wipe you out a little bit. I've even had clients like kind of experience a little bit of grief, you know, the next couple of days because you're letting go of big parts of yourself that you've had for years. Everyone processes different. Some people, you know, of course, get kind of emotional, but, you know, it's, that's why it's good to have someone there to kind of walk you through um, what to do when that happens. And is that the danger of doing it, say, I don't know, over Insight Timer or some kind of one of those apps where like you don't actually have a real person, whether it be over a Zoom, like we're doing this recording now, or whether it be actually in person, because it's just like kind of a recording. It really depends on the person. You know, I mean, you want someone there if you're going to pull out something really traumatic. 
but if you're just you know maybe clearing a belief or whatnot you, you can you can do it from like a video or you know someone just teaching you how to do it but the part about having someone there is is really important especially when it has a part of them that they don't feel safe letting go of right so that's something that you probably couldn't do yourself you need somebody there to make you feel safe to let that part of you go so i've seen that over and over and over again where you know we have to stop because whatever whatever we were working on, you know, they didn't feel safe to let it go. So we had to figure out a way to get them to feel safe again, to yeah. feel, finally let that piece go. And does anyone ever bring, say, a really good friend with them? Someone that kind of makes them feel safe or make them feel supported? I haven't really seen that too much, unless, unless I have a younger client, you know, then their parent will, will be there, of course. Even with a younger client, sometimes it's better not to have the parent there because, you know, there might be some emotional imbalances with the parent right so <laughs> yeah i mean um I, I would say it could help though it could help for sure if there's someone that you really trust and you know really feel safe around yeah bring them to your session now people create a lot of these subconscious beliefs you said between age and one and seven but let's say someone does some of the subconscious work and say they're 30 years old and they're still going to go out in the world and maybe even have some ridiculous experiences of I was recently reading, once again, the latest Gallup poll says that only 33% of American workforce are actually engaged. So 67% either don't care or actively dislike their job. And there are plenty of other places people go and find uh, drama, disappointment, and stuff like that. So is there a danger in, even if the subconscious belief is cleared out, but then you go back out in the world, kind of redeveloping a subconscious belief or developing another completely different negative subconscious belief based on the experience of someone, you know, as I said, say you're 30 and you're just going to work and I don't know, just doing your stuff with your social circle, your relationships and everything. Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, your subconscious mind never stops recording, right? So you're, you're always going to be picking up different ideas and thoughts and feelings and whatnot. You come to the place, you know, after you've done this work for a while, where you realize that the good and the bad in, in life, you can enjoy both sides. Yeah. You can enjoy both sides, you know, and, and we need both sides to have that balance. You know, it's like they said, you can't get rid of pain in your life, right? But you can get rid of the suffering part. So what I mean is like, you stub your toe, then it hurts. Yep. Then you're like, oh, I was so stupid. Why did I do that? Blah, 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 right? So then that's yeah. the second part, right? So when, when, when we create these ideas about what happened, that's when we create that suffering side. But pain is inevitable. In our life, we're going we're gonna to experience pain in some way, shape, or form. We're going to lose parents. We're going to maybe get into a verbal confrontation or whatever, right? Or even a physical confrontation. So, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It's how you, how you view it, right? How you see it. It's like, oh, this, you know, this happened and, you know, I can learn from it. You know, I'm not going to create this idea around it, right? About myself or the world. It's just like, all right, so that hurt. I don't really want that feeling again. Maybe I'm going to take this route <laughs> or whatever it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like the dichotomy between pleasure and pain. Even if you numb yourself from emotions, you're numbing yourself from both the negative and the positive emotions. And therefore you're missing out on a lot even though you think you're helping yourself avoid something right right so feel and experience all your emotions good bad the ugly and that is a human experience and that is where all the joy comes from so it's kind of like when your child is learning how to walk right they don't fall down and they're like oh man that's it i'm done yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah. walking's not for me i'm just gonna be crawling right no just get back up they can do it again get back up yeah. do it again until they got it right 
And that's how humans are naturally. We, when when we want to do something, we just go. We just go and do it. Once we have an idea, it's like, I want to learn this. Yeah, go ahead. Fail a million times. Don't even care about it. Just keep going. When you come to that space and you're okay with failing, you know, it's it's a great feeling. Yeah. And I think about that analogy about the child learning to walk all the time when I think about like kind of the natural way that human beings learn and educate themselves. You know, we try something out, see if it works. Maybe you hear a little bit of something from someone that's already tried it, but it's like kind of significantly different than the way it's often practiced in schools today. Today's schooling system does things one way, but maybe you like to learn another way. You know, I found that a lot of people don't realize that we have five senses and some of them more than the other ones, right? Some people like to hear more, right? So they do really well in school. Some people like more visual. They do pretty well in school. Some people like to touch things and get in there, right? You got to find out how you like to learn and just learn like that. So if, if you want to do, you know, whatever it is, figure out where you can learn how to do that skill with your way that you like to learn, you know? And so one other thing I want to cover is your story, how you came to bringing balance back. Did you have subconscious belief systems that you had to clear out before you were able to start this business? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. 100%. My dad passed away when I was 30 years old, right? And, you know, he had lung cancer, but he never smoked a day in his life. He kind of slowly, you know, got thinner and thinner and eventually, you know, metastasized and he passed away. And just kind of watching that, you know, I didn't really understand what I was feeling. I just got kind of pushed it away, you know. And then when he passed away, you know, that kind of hit me even harder. And then I, I went into a depression. I didn't know what was, I, was, I was experiencing. And that kind of started the whole journey, you know. And I tried everything Western medicine had to offer, psychology, psychiatry, antidepressants, all this stuff. And all that stuff really helped me. And, you know, of course, try self-medicating. That didn't help. Uh, that made things worse. And eventually I started searching on my own, you know, and I found a couple of amazing healers and I felt better. And that was the start of it. And then eventually I was like, you know what, I want to I wanna try and do a business and help other people, you know, with these issues. And what happened was I was a respiratory therapist for about 10 years. And I decided one day I'm just going to quit my respiratory job and start a business. And I was definitely didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, now I understand, you know, starting a business is like jumping off a cliff at, with a blueprint of a, building a plane and trying to build a plane on the way down. And that's how businesses yeah. are. <laughs> and so I failed over and over and over again. And I had, I had a, a child at the time too. And, you know, it, all this stuff started coming up for me. You know, I'm like, holy smokes, you know, it's like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I started crushing myself out. I'm not making enough money. All this stuff started coming up. And, and so I had to, you know, really kind of sit down and just clear and keep going, clear and keep going, clear and keep going until I got to a place where the business was self-sufficient. And I was like, oh, this is yeah. wonderful. Working um, by the hour, getting paid by an employer is completely different from the business world where, you know, you're everything. And, you know, afterwards I was... I was thinking, you know, I, I better do something on the side just to keep that fixed income, you know, because now I have like three children. So it's good yeah. to have a stable yeah. income on the side and, you know, do the business on the side and let it let it grow and grow and grow. And now, it's, you know, I'm in a place where I feel pretty good um, about the business and what I'm doing. And you know, I'm, I'm so happy that I did it because I've seen so many lives change. And, you know, as you mentioned before, find your site if you want to work with you. But 
just, you know, find anyone, find someone you're comfortable with. Is this something that's expanding that more and more people are becoming aware of over time, both from the customer standpoint, as well as people starting practices to help others with it? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, people have been start searching now. Since we have, you know, a lot of our phones, the internet, videos of all this different things in the world, it's starting to catch some attention, you know, like, yeah. There are many ways that we can heal ourselves where we don't need any medication or surgeries. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think there's a shift going on right now where we're trying to get away from pills and surgeries because, you know, Western medicine, it seems like that's where they want to do it, right? A lot of pills and surgeries, pharmaceuticals and whatnot. And I think there's a place, you know, of course, for Western medicine, like I think emergencies, you know, great. You get hit by a car, you break an arm, you know, go to the ER, you know, get that stuff set. They're really good with premature babies, right? Taking care of that until they're old enough, you know, so they can go home. And that's a beautiful thing too. But I think for like chronic things, you know, like chronic pain, you know, anxiety, depression, that kind of stuff. I think subconscious work is a key for all that stuff. Any kind of chronic thing that's got going on and or something that you feel like is coming on, you know, that's usually an emotional thing. Like, um, I, no- I noticed the Western medicine likes the umbrella, certain um, emotional imbalances with the term like autoimmune, right? They have, and they like to use all these diagnoses now, but you know, that's, that's good and bad, you know, to have diagnoses. I think like certain things is great. Like, you know, if you, if you're really low on certain ends or enzyme or whatever it is, right. You know, then you can go take that enzyme and boom, you're, you're okay. It's not so great for certain things like, fibromyalgia right because now the, the patient has this idea of what they have and they make it their own right it's like oh i have fibromyalgia i am you know some people is like almost like i am a fibromyalgia warrior and it's like no you're not yeah. it's not not part of you it's just it's just an imbalance you have an emotional imbalance that you can clear out and you can feel better your body can function better and you don't need to be in pain you know so that whole i am this spans so many different ideas, so many different challenges, even identity stuff. Uh, And I feel like when someone starts saying in any respect, I am this, it's when we start to run into some trouble because that's when it becomes harder to push that belief system out. Even with, with good beliefs, people often say like, instead of saying, I am trying to lose weight, say I am a healthy person. Or if someone says I am constantly targeted and mistreated by other people. Once you say I am, as opposed to, I had this instant, I had this experience, then it becomes deeper in there. Yep. Exactly. Even like I am tired. Yeah. Right. I'm exhausted. Don't keep saying those things to yourself because what you're doing is called auto suggestion. You're self-hypnotizing yourself to the idea. Right. And yeah. those are just ideas. So you're going to start feeling tired all the time. If you keep telling yourself I'm tired. Right. So you actually have to pull that belief out. I've had to do this yeah. before where like their moms and, you know, they, they, they always been telling themselves that I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And we have to pull that belief out. And they're like, oh, it's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. I am <laughs> I am a tired working mom, right? That's, that's such a right. common trope that people say. And I think, obviously, you've said it enough that it becomes, you know, like you said, the process of thought creating form, you're going to look for evidence to support whatever you assign to yourself. A good thing to, to practice is when you achieve something or you do something good, say, oh, this is like me. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. This is like me. And when something that you don't want in your life, oh, this is not like me, right? So then you're kind of ingraining what you want to pull in, right? And so as more people become aware of 
kind of the many different ways that we can heal ourselves as well as the many different ways that we can like operate our lives. You know, one of the things I often say is we're moving from what used to be kind of more of a one size fits all world. Everyone works at the same time. Everyone works the same way. Everyone conducts themselves the same way to one where people kind of look at the plethora of options out there and see what works for them. Do you see any kind of secondary impacts of like how people who heal themselves are then going to kind of project that out to the world and impact other people and impact society as a whole? Yes, yes, yes. There's that ripple effect, right? If you want to look this up, they they did a a study. I think it's it's called the 100th monkey theory. I'm not not sure exactly what it was, but I think it was like Japanese. And they got uh, monkeys on an island, right? There was monkeys on like multiple islands in this area or whatever. And so they taught them how to wash I think it was their fruit or whatever they're eating over there in the ocean before they eat it. And I guess it tastes a little better because it was salty, right? Yeah. And so the monkeys, they caught on pretty quickly and they started teaching each other. And what the interesting that thing that happened is once there was a hundred monkeys on that island that learned how to do this process, monkeys on the next island started doing it. We have this, you know, this conscious within us. Once things start picking up for certain ideas, it transfers through, I don't know, the the universe or whatever it is, we're all connected in some way, shape, or form, and it starts shifting the whole the whole conscious, right? So the more of us that start healing and start believing healing, we're going to see a lot of interesting miracles happen, you know, because um, that belief is going to just grow and grow and grow. It's going to get even more and more powerful, I think, you know, what's, with what's possible with healing. Yeah. And I believe like the word some people use is collective consciousness or, you know, like whatever kind of connects us all. And I think most people don't necessarily like have a description of it or even like a clear map as to how it goes from how it went from one island to the next with the monkeys or how it goes from there. But, you know, I I personally have noticed in some cases in life where once I, you know, I shift that colored glasses, all of a sudden I'm seeing things in some of the most unexpected places. People I don't expect to all of a sudden be hearing about certain topics from, and, you know, I'm there. That's interesting. You know, once you start working from within, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. Well, um, that is such a wonderful thing. It's such a wonderful story. Once again, for everyone listening, that's um, bringingbalanceback.com, right? Yep. Bringingbalanceback.com. If anyone's interested in working with Austin or finding out about anything in your local area, any of the other ideas behind how we can all work around our subconscious. Austin, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes, telling us about all the ways that our subconscious gets mapped, unmapped, how we can be aware, be present, understand what's going on with the subconscious, and then consciously try to work on what we actually want our belief system to be. Yep. Just, you know, keep looking at yourself. Who am I being? Who am I being? Who am I being? Every moment, who am I being? And um, I'd also like to thank everybody out there for listening today, everyone tuning into Actions Antidotes. Uh, Hopefully you got inspired by the story. Hopefully you're going to go out there, be more observant, and uh, be the best version of yourself. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. 